I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Hello, maskies. Hello, commies. Hello, Romneys. Hello, Obamies. It's the red wave, and you know it. And it won't be too long now till you're shown it. It's high noon for Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also follow me on Gab at I'm your moderator and... Add me on the Frank Speech app when it is up and running at Chris Paul. Today is the 92nd full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth, Hunter Biden. So congratulations, communists. You went short on morality and long on future embarrassment. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. A warm high noon hello and welcome to the redeemable communists out there. If you're just arriving here for the first time, because someone hijacked your podcast app and subscribed to this against your knowledge. 
I promise you it's going to be okay. Now, I can't promise you that I won't make fun of you relentlessly and point out at regular intervals how stupid and evil all your most deeply held ideas are. But hey, that's what it takes to make you an American again. So if that's what you want, this is your fastest route. Give me three, four weeks. Done. You're American. And trust me, that is a good long-term bet. Who would like to start the show with some good, old-fashioned California communism and corruption? Well, I vote yes. And unfortunately for you, my vote is the only one that counts. So I received this email forwarded to me from a friend who is in California. And the email comes from someone at the mayor's office named Caroline uh, Menjivar. I don't know how to say her last name. That's the best try I'm going to give. But this is from her direct city email address, caroline.menjivar, M-E-N-J-I-V-A-R, at lacity.org. And it's Caroline with a C. Subject, Mayor's Proposed 2021-2022 City Budget Breakdown. Two evenings ago, the mayor delivered his 2021 State of the City Address where he proposed his budget for the 2021-2022 fiscal year. A justice budget, justice budget in capital letters, by the way, and laid out the most progressive visions for a more just, equitable, and resilient city. Below are the key proposals for your knowledge. As a reminder, this still needs to be approved by city council and would then go into effect June 1st. Now, right there, we have massive problems. I moved to Los Angeles in the fall of 2002, and I am intimately familiar with that city, and I know literally thousands and thousands of people there. By virtue of me being in the industry I was in. Most people there are doing politics as a facet of their image. Most of them do not think we want the most progressive vision. Okay? That's not a thing that people are there voting for. And this is especially bad because L.A. is filled with Obamis, which are basically just rich communists who vote for the Democrats and Romneys are rich communists who vote for communist Republicans because the corruption crosses parties. I mean, yes, it exists entirely in the Democrat Party, but there's plenty of Republicans who are corrupt communists as well. Hence, Obamis and Romneys. L.A., though is mostly all Obamis. They are people who simply don't care about issues. They will say they care about issues and they will say that they know about issues because that helps to make their very, very ill-informed opinions sound like they're more authoritative. A goal for a city is not to lay out the most progressive vision And then focus on just, equitable, and resilient. 
Okay. First of all, resilient to what? Resilient to pandemics, for instance? Well, there are no examples in the entire country of places who have handled the coronavirus worse than California and worse than Los Angeles. Yes, New York and Michigan are right up there. But California is as bad as it gets. Gavin Newsom is completely incompetent and wholly corrupt. He is as sold out to China as Joe Biden and may well be as compromised. Then you have Eric Garcetti, a closeted gay man as mayor who spent all of last summer talking about social justice, but was not even in Los Angeles. He spent most of the middle portion of last year first serving on Joe Biden's vice presidential vetting committee. And what could that possibly mean since Kamala Harris was obviously the only option? So there wasn't really any vetting going on, was there? But that was Garcetti's job. He was not attached to the functioning of the city. The California cities left the responsibility to county public health directors and the state health directors, and everything was pretty much handed down from the top by Gavin Newsom, and then even from above Gavin Newsom by, obviously, the Fauci's of the world, the CDC, and the CCP. So that's just a little preface for what they've written in this letter. The budget plan includes the city's largest ever investment to confront the homelessness crisis at $791 million, which more than doubles its current spending. You hear that? $791 million to help with the homelessness issue. California already passed a measure years ago called Proposition HHH. And what that did was provide funding for 10,000 units of public housing that were meant to be built to house the homeless. To this day, that's not done. And, I mean, this is three years ago. I think it was in, in 2018. It might even have been earlier. But it's not done. And the cost initially was $140,000 per unit. Again, $140,000 per unit to build housing for the homeless. And since that Proposition HHH has passed. The homelessness problem has gotten considerably worse. They basically just build houses now. They have couches under the freeway. They cook out there like with little campfires. And of course, that means that homeless encampments catch on fire quite a lot. I was fortunate enough to live right next to one. So $140,000 per unit. So each homeless person that you see out on the street, California wanted to spend $140,000 putting that person 
into a housing project. But wait, 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 it gets worse. The last time I looked, which was probably almost a year ago, those costs had ballooned five times to $700,000 per unit. $700,000 per unit to house a homeless person. They do this as the entire state has been put out of business by their terrible COVID restrictions that saved a grand total of absolutely zero lives and cost many, many more people their lives. So we have hardworking California taxpayers being absolutely swindled out of their money so that $700,000 of it can go for every single one of these units of homeless housing. They are essentially transferring $700,000, ostensibly, by the way, to each and every homeless person to provide them with public housing in a little tiny box. Can anyone argue that that is an effective way to solve homelessness? Of course not. And by the way, housing projects don't have a great history. And that's the goal. Putting people with mental illness and addiction in close quarters in housing projects and building those housing projects in communities around the city. That is one terrible, terrible goal. You could put those homeless people into the best rehab therapy the world has to offer for a fraction of that. And I'm not sure that's the public's responsibility either, but that's not only more compassionate, it's far more cost-effective. I grew up in a small town. For $700,000, you could buy a mansion on like 50 acres of land. And instead, we're taking that money and putting it into housing projects. This has been like a hobby horse of mine for a long time. The, the Prop HHH is one of the most obvious examples of government corruption you could ever see. Okay. And it actually is worse than that because they spend about 40% of that at least just paying consultants. And again, I'm not making that number up. So $700,000 per unit, 40% of that is $280,000, $280,000 per unit just siphoned off from taxpayer money and given to consultants who then do what? Navigate city regulations and California state laws that were put in place by the very same communists who are now taking the money from this? You could just erase the regulations and you wouldn't need the consulting fees, would you? But then that takes away this massive opportunity for blatant theft and graft. And somehow we're all just supposed to be okay with that because some dumb communist is going to call us meanies 
if we don't express our biggest priority in the world to be giving homeless people $700,000 houses. And you wish that they actually were, quote unquote, $700,000 houses. Instead, they're just little $700,000 studio apartments in a mass of other apartments of crazy people. They tried this with the hotels last year, and it turned out the homeless started making meth labs in their hotel rooms. And of course, there were drugs and crimes and sexual assaults. It was no different than being out on the streets. They were just in hotels that California wasted taxpayer money on. So let's look at Mayor Eric's plan. $362 million for 89 projects and 5,651 total housing units through Proposition HHH. Would you look at that? That's another $64,000 per unit. Nearly $200 million for the development of affordable housing, homeless prevention, eviction defense, and other homeless services. $200 million for progressive programs. They're going to study homelessness and they're going to recommend solutions. $57 million for nine additional Care Plus teams, which now totals one per each council district and 11 new regional storage facilities. $43 million for Project Room Key. And what's Project Room Key, you might be asking? Well, let's check out lacounty.gov's website and find out. Project Room Key is a collaborative effort by the state, county, and Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority to secure hotel and motel rooms for vulnerable people experiencing homelessness. It provides a way for people who don't have a home to stay inside to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Project Room Key aims to not only protect high-risk individuals, but to also prevent the spread of the deadly virus in our communities and protect the capacity of our hospitals and healthcare system. As L.A. County moves toward reopening, one of the prerequisites is making sure vulnerable people are protected, and that is the goal of Project Room Key. Okay, well, let's break that down. It provides a way for people who don't have a home to stay inside to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Now, if you have paid any attention over the last year, you might be able to tell me what's wrong with that sentence. Where do people contract the coronavirus? Is it inside or is it outside? Oh, it's inside. Well, thank God we're going to bring all these vulnerable people inside then, right? And put them in close quarters with other people in poor health, mentally and physically. That's a great idea. Project Room Key aims to not only protect high-risk individuals, but to also prevent the spread of the deadly virus in our communities and protect the capacity of our hospitals and healthcare system. There is absolutely no threat anywhere to the hospitals and healthcare system. That is entirely made up. There have not been 
any, any instances of wide community spread among the homeless. If there were, we would have heard about it. But not once in this entire time have we heard about COVID outbreaks among the homeless. And that's 43 million more dollars going to this terrible, wasteful, pointless program. As L.A. County moves toward reopening, one of the prerequisites is making sure vulnerable people are protected. No, that is what they have determined. That is not a prerequisite to opening. That is not a prerequisite to anything. Getting homeless people into hotels does not affect the spread of the coronavirus. And even if it did, it is not a prerequisite for everyone else being allowed to go return to work. This is madness. The 2021-2022 budget is strengthened by $777 million in spending from the American Rescue Plan. Mayor Garcetti advocated aggressively for this funding over the past year to lift Angelinos hit hardest by the pandemic. And this spending blueprint puts those dollars to work with $151 million going to equity and justice programs, $281 million for homeless services, $282 million to restore vital services, and $64 million for COVID response and recovery. Got all that? $777 million. That's over three quarters of a billion dollars of federal taxpayer money. That's from everywhere else around the country gets funneled in to Los Angeles so that they can do this nonsense. Mayor Garcetti advocated aggressively for this funding over the past year. Oh, really? How did he do that exactly? Did he do exactly what he was told in L.A. City? And then did he serve the fake Biden administration in the run up to the election? Did he help coordinate L.A.'s election fraud mechanisms? People don't get payoffs like this for nothing. Eric Garcetti did not serve the city of Los Angeles at all. In the last 18 months, he has made life there considerably worse at every single turn. L.A., in my opinion, is over, dead and over for the foreseeable future. If I get what I want, and I still think that I will. All of these politicians will be cleared out of office. And at that point. If there is some groundswell of support for me taking Adam Schiff's seat. I'll be more than happy to do that and fix Los Angeles because there are still some patriots in that town that want that job done. And if I'm the only one who will do it, I will do it. Maybe there's someone with a lot more experience and a lot more capability than me who can do it. I would love to hear who that person is. A lot of the people who have tried to jump on the train in the last year have proven to be nothing but grifters who are trying to take advantage 
of changing political tides. But aside from that option, where people like Adam Schiff and Eric Garcetti and all of the government, the city council, everything in public office in Los Angeles, if that's all flushed out, then the city can come back. But with the leadership it has there now and the way that city operates now, there is absolutely no chance that Los Angeles will be a place that any normal person should ever want to live again in our lifetimes. It is that desolate at this point. I hear from new people every single week telling me that they are done, that they are leaving, that they are moving out. This is why. And this spending breakdown is preposterous. $151 million going to equity and justice programs. Like, just write in this document that you're going to pay off all the people that helped you perform unemployment fraud, census fraud, and election fraud last year. That's what this money is. Can we just be honest? None of this is going to help anybody. Giving $151 million to equity and justice programs, that doesn't even mean anything. Here's how smart that is. I'm going to put this letter in audio form for you right now. A crisis is a crisis born of injustice, and it is a crisis born of the pursuit of profit at any and all human and ecological cost, which means that we must recognize in legislation that the trampling of indigenous rights is a cause of climate change. The, the trampling of racial justice is a cause of climate change because we are allowing people and we are allowing ourselves to make sure that we are allowing folks to deny ourselves human rights and deny people the right to health care, the right to housing and education. Do you see how this is done? They just say buzzwords. That, of course, was the blithering idiot, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, saying nothing. She just said that trampling rights of indigenous peoples is a cause of climate change. That doesn't mean anything. And the science doesn't say that. I'm quite certain of that. The trampling of racial justice is a cause of climate change because we are allowing folks to deny ourselves rights. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And neither does this budget. They're just trying to tell communists, hey, yeah, we're going to spend a shit ton of money, but don't worry about it. You'll feel like a good person about what we're doing. And if you don't ask questions about it, you'll feel like an even better person. Because if you do ask questions about it, then I guess you're probably against racial justice and equity and all of the other good things. So, I mean, if you want to be racist, you can argue with me about the budget. But otherwise, just shut your commie mouth and suck it up. That's California's message to California voters. And that's Los Angeles's message to Los Angeles residents. $33 million to expand the city's gang reduction and youth development program. Oh, couldn't you have just put that toward police? 
$24 million for guaranteed basic income pilot program budgeted to provide $1,000 a month to 2,000 households for an entire year. No questions asked. I didn't write no questions asked. That's part of their email. So they're going to do this pilot program for one year and then assess how it works ostensibly. It really just sounds like they're just going to be paying people off again. People can apply for it. And I'm sure they're going to hand that out on systems of merit. I wonder how soon in the application you have to state your race. I would bet not one white person will have access to this money. $18.7 million to fund new programs founded on a therapeutic and unarmed response for neighborhoods. Oh, they have a clever name for it. That was an acronym. It's TURN. And community-based approach to reimagining public safety. TURN will start next month, sending clinicians instead of cops to respond to nonviolent mental health emergencies through 911 24-7. Will provide around the clock community based response to nonviolent crises among people experiencing homelessness, focusing from Venice to Hollywood. This is in the city's own email. Does anyone think this is a good idea? This is what they want for defunding the police. So they're just going to go ahead and try it. And I guess if anyone dies in the meantime, that's how we'll know that this very stupid program doesn't work. $8.7 million to employ high barrier young adults to clean and beautify our communities, as well as $3.5 million to train and pay 1,000 low-income high school students to home tutor young siblings who have struggled with distance learning. So now... We are taking high school kids and paying them to teach their own younger siblings. Because, of course, the teachers still can't go to work because their union hasn't gotten all of its demands yet. And by the way, who do you think struggles with, quote unquote, distance learning? Well, the first answer is literally every kid. But the second answer is that it's the kids that aren't doing it. And what kids aren't doing it? Oh, Well, it's the ones that don't have any supervision during the day telling them to stay attached to the school, even though the learning is pathetic and the teaching is pathetic. This is embarrassing. This is not only just a crime against the children of Los Angeles. This is happening around the country. This is the Democrat Communist Party doing what the Democrat Communist Party does. They are exploiting these poor and minority communities while destroying them for political advantage. The thing that will help these kids is to open the goddamn schools. $10 million to the reforms for equity and public acknowledgement of institutional racism. This program is called LA repair. Got it. Reforms for equity and public acknowledgement of institutional racism. That spells repair. This will give communities a direct say in grassroots investments to support job creation and provide organizational backing for community intervention, racial healing, justice, and reconciliation. This 
is disgusting. $25 million program dedicated to comeback checks of $5,000 to 5,000 businesses. Oh, that'll help. (laughs) Comeback checks. Hey, don't put them out of business in the first place, you communists. The unemployment rate in Los Angeles now is 11% among the highest in the nation. Why? Because LA had massive, scary COVID outbreaks. Nope. That didn't happen. They do have numbers around places and they do have some numbers around California. Guess which quote unquote communities account for those numbers. If you guessed illegal immigrants, you would be exactly right. $1.3 million street vendor program with council member Rahman's support aimed at helping street vendors clear bureaucratic hurdles and purchase modernized carts that will let them get permits. Got it? Anita Rahman, by the way, I cannot believe she won. I didn't think that she had. But that is just one straight-up dyed-in-the-wool communist. Like, very, very bad person. Look into her. The idea that $1.3 million in taxpayer money is going to go to get street vendors' carts up to the permits that the city set for no reason? What? in the world is wrong with these people. This is one of the dumbest documents I've ever read. I cannot believe this woman sent this from her own city email. And again, that email is Caroline with a C dot Menjivar, M-E-N-J-I-V-A-R at LACity.org. A million dollars in funding for a youth and creative workers mural program to commemorate many more of Los Angeles's neighborhoods and history. Well, I guess this is being written by an illiterate, but we don't need a million dollars for more communist murals. Okay, I don't care that you're hiring a black trans woman to paint the propaganda on the wall. And I know that. L.A. is filled with communists who actually would get off on something so ridiculous. But again, murals aren't worth anything. They don't help. If you want artists to paint murals, just tell them that you're not going to clean up graffiti. Oh, wait, you already don't clean up graffiti. So if you're paying people to paint propaganda on the city walls, then the point is the propaganda. These people aren't artists or they wouldn't take commissions to paint propaganda. How about you have a mural contest and the winner gets a thousand dollars? You'll get the same number of murals and they'll look better. Just Plan out which walls you need muraled, send out a document, have a mural contest. Someone gets a thousand dollars, they're stoked. And then you don't have to spend a million taxpayer dollars on something that dumb. But that's just 
the social justice side of this communist plot. We also have green initiatives. Moratorium on new oil and gas drilling anywhere in the city of Los Angeles and declare a ban citywide on styrofoam once and for all and on single use foodware that cannot be reused or recycled. Hallelujah. Oh, we finally did it once and for all. Victory is ours. DWP to give ratepayers $60 for smart thermostats, push for installing smart meters, and put more solar power in low-income neighborhoods, and doubling the number of houses that receive free insulation and other energy-saving upgrades. Ooh, yes. Let's figure out ways to give the city more control over when they shut our lights off. By 2030, DWP will provide an energy mix that's 80% renewable and 97% carbon-free, full six years ahead of our previous commitment. Now, let me tell you something. That is not true. Also, wonderful year you chose. It's going to happen in 2030? Huh, what else are they saying is going to happen in 2030? Man, this is perplexing. Commit to 100% carbon-free energy by 2035, 10 years ahead of schedule. There is absolutely no chance in the world this is happening. Hollywood and Los Angeles do not have enough electricity as it is. Or at least that's what they tell us because there are brownouts and blackouts every single year now. Transition scattergood power plant to run on green hydrogen. Decrease the demands on Valley Generation Station. Build a new wind farm in New Mexico. Wait a second. California is paying to build a wind farm in New Mexico? Oh, that doesn't sound right. A giant solar farm in partnership with the Navajo Nation. Oh, so it's for social justice. Then I guess it's okay that we're putting jobs, industry, and infrastructure in another state. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. And bring zero emissions green hydrogen to drive turbines at Intermountain Power Plant in Utah. Hmm. Okay. I guess you guys know what you're doing. $8 billion investment to recycle and distribute water for LA, including a massive build-out of our Hyperion treatment plant. Recycled water only accounts for 2% of our water, but Operation Next will increase that to 35% by 2035. Man, I hope this $8 billion is spent as effectively as the money that they're spending for the high-speed rail system that California still will never have. Hey, kids, are you understanding California yet? Communism doesn't work. That's why it's never worked anywhere it's been tried. And it really only leads to suffering, oppression, and death. These are the stupidest people on earth. And the crazy thing is they think they're the smartest people on earth. They actually believe that California is cutting edge and the leader of not only the country, but the world. That is completely false. California is right near the bottom in poverty. They're like 47th in poverty. That's awful. And how's their school system? Oh, it's terrible. Well, how powerful is their teachers union? Oh, 
super powerful to the point where they can run everything and they can tell California leaders that they have to keep the schools closed while a generation of children is just left behind to fend for themselves. And what else creates problems in schools? What problems might be created by having millions and millions of illegal immigrants in California and giving their children free access to public schools? Now, listen, this isn't about compassion whatsoever. If you take a classroom built for 30 kids and one teacher who's only capable of teaching 30 kids, and then you put 60 kids in there because you need their parents to vote for communists and to work low-paying jobs, then none of the kids learn. And that's what we have going on in California. Communism doesn't work. Key initiatives include LA Optimized will connect a thousand small businesses to the transformed post-pandemic digital marketplace by providing website assistance, branding, and marketing assets to them for free. You see that? You don't need a store. We'll control your store. Earn, learn, play will be a website where youth will be able to find endless opportunities to work, study, and have fun near them. Oh, what kind of youth? Are you going to start employing 10-year-olds, you communists? Justice Fund has a million-dollar commitment that ensures immigrants and their families can stay together while they defend their rights in federal court. Oh, there we go. Kind of giving up the goods, aren't you? Here's the thing, though. Illegal immigrants don't have rights. I mean, they have human rights and stuff, obviously, and moral rights, but they don't have rights to services in California and to the benefits of taxpayer money in California. Now, I'm not saying that California doesn't give that away, but there is no right to that. Creation of a youth development department which will coordinate youth programs, convene a youth strategy citywide, and provide services like child care to legal assistance, mental health services to financial counseling. Looking to let our restaurants defer $8,000 or more of expiring fees for three years and suspend valet and off-site parking requirements to help them save up to $10,000. Well, I'll tell you this much, that is is not the connection to the parking thing. Los Angeles is trying to eliminate public parking to make it so burdensome to drive around that you have to take public transportation or Uber and Lyft, which are becoming essentially public transportation. Asking the Department of Cultural Affairs to support COVID memorials throughout our city, maintain those that are permanent, and archive those that are temporary. That's a key initiative. That is a priority for the city of Los Angeles. Dreamers in the Los Angeles Community College District who commit to service in COVID recovery will have DACA fees covered by Mayor's Fund and the Foundation for Los Angeles Community Colleges. What exactly is service in COVID recovery? Are they going to help track down people who aren't following regulations? What sort of thing are you going to employ community college students to do in terms of COVID recovery? Free transit movement in Los Angeles. 
Starting with students this fall, we'll aim to help low-income Angelinos ride Metro for free. Wi-Fi access points in 300 underserved neighborhoods that will act as giant hotspots, allowing entire neighborhoods to have dependable, fast internet connections. Cool. That's probably not going to have anything to do with whether or not they monitor you. 30% boost to the Department of Cultural Affairs that will provide youth with classes in visual arts, animation, and music. Boost direct grants to artists across our city and draw on L.A.'s creative spirit to get back some of our faded lusters. Oh, my God. Okay, so that's that's the end of the letter. Um, it's signed, you know, Carolyn Menjavar, MSW. And, of course, that means Masters in Social Work. And then old Caroline has her pronouns below. And she is she, her, and hers. Very avant-garde in terms of her personal pronouns. It's a good thing she put them in there, though. Just so that we can know which team she's on. This was written by a child-brained communist for child-brained communists. The only people who will think that this is a serious plan written by adults with the city's best interests in mind are the ones who imagine themselves somehow part of the arts community or the sort of parents that are so wealthy they can read this and think, oh man, yeah, that'll probably help those black kids. And that is what they think, by the way. I'm not making that up. I know these people. I know them very, very well. That is exactly what they think. They think any amount of waste is justified because it's all going to help the people that really need the help. The people in Los Angeles that really need the help are all of the middle class people whose lives have been shut down by this year of terrible, terrible management. The bar and restaurant workers whose industries were just collapsed. The small business owners who had their stores closed while Target and Walmart could stay open. That's who needs the help. Where is the small business initiative in this document? A billion dollars, nearly a billion dollars more after they already have funded billion-dollar programs for homelessness. Another billion dollars. Why don't you just give money to all the small businesses you shut down? Pay off their rents that they're behind on. Help them with their opening costs. You destroyed those businesses, Eric. Help them. But no, we can't do that. We need $151 million to create equity and study justice. This is communism, people. This is what it looks like. They take the money. They spend the money on things no one needs. And they tell you it's all for justice while they siphon off all that money onto their friends and donors and people who they promised payoffs to for their corrupt help. That is what's happening in Los Angeles. 
If you are still a resident of Los Angeles, you should know that your city thinks that you are stupid. And I guess the truth is, if you are still committed to living in Los Angeles, you actually might be stupid. So let's switch subjects. There have been a lot of terrible reactions to the Derek Chauvin verdict. I think the worst one is the ones from people like Greg Gutfeld, who was talking on his show the other night about how he doesn't actually even care if the verdict was right or wrong, but just that this is the beneficial option. And I think that that argument out of a conservative's mouth is especially disgusting. It is so unprincipled to say that someone should just be sacrificed into the legal system, into corruption, because it might help another cause. Justice is supposed to exist for the sake of justice, for its own sake. Not so that some other social goal can be helped. I don't like this whatsoever. And of course, Galaxy Brain Scott Adams had a similar reaction too. He basically said that the Chauvin verdict was the best option. No, the best option is for jurors to properly decide the case in front of them and for politicians not to interfere with the justice system and for people to not riot no matter what happens. We don't put innocent people in prison so that a bunch of communists don't riot. We stop the communists from rioting because that's upholding the law. That is what the government is there for, to protect liberty and property. You don't just let people go around burning down the city because they're mad about something they don't understand. And speaking of things that communists don't understand, there has been some serious and righteous pushback to the narrative about Georgia's election law. And this is coming from the Georgia Star News yesterday. 21 black leaders denounced the left's lies about Georgia election law. 21 civil rights leaders and prominent black conservatives defended Georgia's new election law in a letter to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, rejecting opponents' comparisons to Jim Crow laws. It has become clear that even well-intentioned critics of the law simply have no idea what the law is. The black leaders write in the letter, adding, It is clear they have no idea how favorably Georgia's new law compares with most other states, including President Biden's home state of Delaware. And it is clear they have no idea that a majority of black voters across the country support the key provision under attack by critics, the simple requirement that voters be able to identify themselves when voting. This is the same simple requirement needed to pick up baseball tickets or board a plane. Activities hardly as important as voting. And that's exactly right. I'm going to skip down a bit. Signatories from Georgia include the Reverend Alveda King, niece of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., head of Alveda King Ministries, Michael Lancaster, director of the Frederick Douglass Foundation, and Vernon Jones, who, like King, is a former Georgia state representative. Also among the 21 signers is Heritage Foundation president K.C. James, who grew up amid segregation. There is also a great speech 
in the hearings that occurred yesterday from Burgess Owens, who talks about growing up under Jim Crow and talks about how insulting it is to hear Democrats calling this voting law Jim Crow. And you all should check out his speech. It really is worth watching. I'll try to find it later and put it in the info stream. To compare today's policies with the literal life and death struggle of previous generations is to diminish those heroes' struggles, sacrifice, and enormous accomplishments. It is past time for today's generation to come together in an honest, civil, and straightforward way to protect these shared values of voter access and election integrity. It should be easy to vote and hard to cheat. The letter goes on to say, we, along with dozens of other black pastors and civic leaders in Georgia, fully understand and support the state's new election integrity law, a law that will help rebuild voter confidence and make sure every vote counts. Those who have been deceived by a political campaign to discredit the new law and punish the state of Georgia should stop, take a step back and understand the real agenda here. The letter calls H.R. 1 a sweeping power grab and says, of course, all of this is being done under the guise of expanding voting access. The reality is it is an unprecedented attempt to take control of our elections and have taxpayers pay for political campaigns. Yes, tucked into the mammoth 800-page bill, H.R. 1, is a little provision where taxpayers will be forced to subsidize the campaigns of the very politicians now supporting H.R. 1. What a massive conflict of interest. Other civil rights leaders who signed the open letter include Woodson Center President Bob Woodson, Clarence Henderson, chairman of the North Carolina Martin Luther King Jr. Commission, American Citizen for Voting President Chris Arps, Congress on Racial Equality National Spokesman Niger Ennis, Stand President Bishop E.W. Jackson, Black Americans for a Better Future founder Raynard Jackson, and Black Conservative Federation President Deontay Johnson. Other signers were Reverend Dean Nelson, a member of the Frederick Douglass Bicentennial Commission, syndicated columnist Star Parker, who is president of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, Bishop Aubrey Shines, founder of Conservative Clergy of Color, and former Vanderbilt Law Professor Carol Swain. Other current and former elected and appointed government officials who signed the letter include North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, Bruce Lavelle, former Small Business Administration advocate, Ken Blackwell, former ambassador to the United Nations Human Rights Council and former Ohio Secretary of State, former Florida Lieutenant Governor Jennifer Carroll, former Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill, and Alan West, a former one-term U.S. representative from Florida who is now chairman of the Texas Republican Party. So if it's racist to require voter ID, someone should inform Black people in the United States, because the overwhelming majority of black people don't find it racist and do support the law. But don't tell LeBron James that because LeBron James is still being the extraordinarily stupid, totally detached Communist Party shill LeBron James, who the other night posted a picture of the police officer who saved people's lives by shooting down that girl who was trying to stab people to death. LeBron posted a picture of him and said, you're next hashtag accountability. Trying to target this officer 
for doxing and harassment. And he later deleted the tweet. Saying that he was upset that his tweet was being used to create further hate as if he's not the one who did it. It's everybody else's fault for calling out what this is actually going to be used for and what it is LeBron is actually doing. But of course, LeBron said it's everybody else's fault. And he's just really mad about seeing so many black people gunned down by police officers. Does LeBron know the statistics at all? Of course not. But he doesn't really care, does he? It'll be interesting to see LeBron come out and try to speak up for justice for the Uyghur Muslims in Chinese concentration camps, except he's already declined to do that. And the NBA has an official position on that. And that official position is directly in line with what LeBron James does. They are completely controlled by the CCP. And they somehow think it's like a convenient out for it to just be about the money. They want to open up their game to new markets. They want to spread the joy of basketball around the world. Well, you know what those people need more than the joy of basketball? Not being in concentration camps. Not living their lives under the thumb of an authoritarian communist party. That might help the Chinese people more, and it might help the American people more. But LeBron James isn't around for that discussion. And of course, last night, there were also more people harassed, just trying to have a nice time at dinner or anywhere else. And these crowds just wander by screaming Black Lives Matter over and over and over again, like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. But Black Lives Matter is no longer a slogan about black lives. Black Lives Matter is a declaration of power by communist domestic terrorists. And so just screaming out who they are over and over again, which is what they're doing. They're announcing their presence. They're basically saying Black Lives Matter is here. Now you will obey. Or you will face our wrath, whatever we choose it to be tonight. And that, my friends, is domestic terrorism. And it's also really silly to just run around screaming your own name like you're Timmy on South Park. Timmy! Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! And it's usually white college kids doing it. Who in the world... Let these people leave the kids table and try to have this conversation in an adult world. They are incapable of it. So they run around streets in mobs screaming Black Lives Matter at everyone who's around. It is embarrassing. And honestly, these people should be mocked and ridiculed. That is the only thing that works on these kinds of people. You cannot just take away someone's social power as long as the thing that they are professing belief in continues to be deemed acceptable or even to get extra credit for it. Call this what it is. Black Lives Matter Antifa is a domestic terrorist organization working on behalf of the Communist Party with funding from globalist communist interests around the world. That's not a joke. It's not a conspiracy theory. It just 
is true. And before I get to the last thing I want to hit, I just want to briefly mention a piece that I was reading in Uncovered DC about the New York Times article I was discussing on the podcast uh, maybe 10 days ago or so, a couple weeks. Talking about the Steele dossier and the two communists writing the column at the New York Times trying to preset a narrative because that stuff is coming out and the Brookings Institute's involvement with it is coming out and they are all trying to provide cover by presetting a narrative and uncover DC went over a lot of the ground that I covered a little while back, but they had one really interesting point that I had failed to make. And that's that these unnamed sources that they're using the sources close to the investigation are not actually sources from the investigative side. They imply that they are, but of course, with no leaks coming from Durham, you know they're not. And I mentioned that part of it, but Uncover DC makes the next insight, which is the one I missed. And that's that if you don't have sources like that, then the sources are the ones who are themselves being investigated. So the sources that they're citing about what the Durham investigation is looking for, the source is inside the Brookings Institute. Because those would be the only other people who know that the Brookings Institute is being investigated. If there are no leaks coming from inside Durham. Then the only other way to get this information is by talking to the people that Durham is actually investigating. And that's brilliant to think about. And you can use this when you're reading articles in the future and understand, wait, the source of this investigation, the source of this information is the person who's trying to get someone to run cover for them. And so finally, a piece from the National Pulse, which is quickly, along with Revolver, becoming an absolutely crucial news source. And Natalie Winters is just the top of the game for investigative journalism. She is absolutely awesome. Here is another piece. This is published yesterday. Named and shamed, the journalists who went on Chinese Communist Party junkets then delivered favorable coverage. Unearthed documents from one of the leading Chinese Communist Party propaganda groups reveals the names of, quote, mainstream U.S. journalists taking junkets from the group in exchange for favorable coverage. The National Pulse can exclusively reveal. The trips often came just before opinion editorials and news reports excusing Chinese Communist Party crimes or opposing trade showdowns with the nation. The China United States Exchange Foundation was founded by the vice chairman of the highest ranking entity overseeing Chinese Communist Party's United Front Department, an effort which aims to co-opt and neutralize sources of potential opposition to the policies and authority of the Chinese government. The United Front strategy uses a range of methods to influence overseas Chinese communities, foreign governments, and other actors to take actions or adopt positions supportive of Beijing's preferred policies. The U.S. government report continues. CUSEF uses United Front Department tactics of influence on Western journalists from virtually every Western media outlet, CNN, New York Times, MSNBC, The Washington Post, and many more. According to foreign agent Registration Act, FARA filings. With the Department of Justice, CUSEF 
retained Western lobbyists to aid in their quest to effectively disseminate positive messages to the media, key influencers and opinion leaders and the general public regarding China. The National Pulse can now exclusively reveal Western journalists, including those praised by President Biden and married to potential members of his White House who are listed as having accepted trips from the Chinese Communist Party influence group. Okay, so you'll remember CUSEF from the story I was reading last week about Stacey Abrams' participation with this very group, with the Chinese Communist Party, on behalf of John Podesta. So here are some of the people involved. CUSEF newsletter from 2009 and 2010 reveal the following journalists. Vox co-founder and New York Times columnist Ezra Klein. Vox co-founder Matthew Iglesias. CNN senior political analyst and The Atlantic senior editor Ronald Brownstein. New York Times reporter Bradford Plumer. Associated Press vice president and editor Marjorie Miller. The Hill editor-at-large Steve Clemens. Former NPR senior editor Marilyn Gwax, Former Newsweek and Wall Street Journal Marketplace editor Kathleen Devaney. Former U.S. News and World Report correspondent Tom Amistad. Chicago Tribune columnist and editorial writer Steve Chapman. Former National Journal correspondent Bruce Stokes. And this person is also the husband of Biden's Deputy Secretary of State nominee, who has also taken CUSEF trips. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Washington Bureau Chief Craig Gilbert. The Week com columnist, Shika Dalmia, I guess. Not trying to mispronounce. Washington Post columnist, Catherine Rample, also identified herself as accepting CUSEF trips, burying a disclaimer on the bottom of two articles. And these are the headlines of the two articles. The U.S. and China fight for second place. And the Olympics gives China a second chance at human rights reform. And the article goes on. It is well worth reading. So go to the National Pulse and check that out. But the long and short of it is those are some pretty major players in the American mainstream media. And all of them are running interference for the Chinese Communist Party and propagandizing American citizens. This is horrible. But it's also the sort of thing that should be obvious to just about everyone. These people are not working in the interests of the American people. They are exploiting their readers. They are propagandizing their readers. And they are doing it for the benefit of a hostile foreign nation that right now has two million people in a religious minority in concentration camps. It is exactly the same as what happened in Germany. And these people and the fake president are making all of us complicit in one of the greatest crimes ever against humanity. And I do not want to be part of it anymore. We need to spread this information out as fast as possible. I was having a conversation with some people last night about Telegram, talking about how fast and streamlined and effective Telegram is as a means of spreading information. And this is the part I don't think that people totally get yet. It's great to 
see and read an article on there and then share it with some friends. But the real point is to build out your own channels so that you can redistribute the same information. And then it's not just you sending someone an article. It's them understanding where you got in the article, where you got the article in the first place so that they can track back and see what else that person says. That's the point. It's not like, hey, you know, I don't want to give any followers to this person or that person. That's what like Hollywood celebrities do. They will choose not to retweet things because they don't want to give other people attention. They think that there's a limit to the amount of attention available from people. And then if you put out other people's information and other people's content, then they might watch less of your content. And that might be true, by the way. And if it is true, and that's how you respond, then you're really not saying much for your own content. Or you're trying to pass it off as you're the one creating the content and the ideas in the first place. The key is to spread quality information that disrupts the central narrative as fast as possible. That is the only goal. You don't need to spend all day convincing some communist that you're right. Put the information in people's hands, especially people on our side. You are not locked in some battle with a bunch of individual communists who are just hurting your ego all day and making you sad when they don't believe you. That is pointless. That is ineffective. We are in an information war. You are wasting your time and your ammunition by concerning yourself with the opinions of certain communists just because they happen to be in your life. People you were formerly close to. They are not worth your time. I'm sorry. Hopefully they will redeem themselves and become Americans again. They will be redeemable communists. You can leave the door open for that, but you have given them the information. What they do with it at that point is up to them. You're not going to be able to convince them to believe you. I was having a conversation about this similar subject with a friend of mine this morning, and she is worried about the people close to her in her life or in her former life from before all of this started, who just don't seem to get it. And I told her there's no amount of telling them this stuff that is just going to make them get it. They're going to either see it in the real world or they won't. Everyone is waiting for some big event to happen that's going to show everybody. We were right. We were right. It's not what it's about. It's about winning. If they don't want to be proven wrong, stop trying to prove them wrong. Move on to other people. Move on to spreading information as quickly as possible. Give everyone else all the ammunition, okay? Every time we share more quality information that disrupts that narrative, we gain ammunition, all right? I have this National Pulse article. Maybe 10% of the people listening to this podcast right now already knew about it. And then another big chunk saw it on the information stream and they shared it. But there's a big chunk of people out there who wouldn't have seen this at all. And now they have it and now they can use it. It's ammunition. So now I have the article and you all have the article and we can all use that. So now this ammunition goes from being one person's ammo, mine. Well, originally it was the National Pulses, obviously. But it becomes my ammo and then I spread it to other people. And now a few thousand people have the same ammo. 
And we can use all that ammo. That's how the information war works. Get the information and spread it as fast as possible. Make sure to the best of your ability and to the best of your discernment that the information is legitimate and then spread it wide. You don't need to answer people's questions. You don't need to justify it. You don't need to listen to their fact checks. You don't need to fact check their fact checks. Use your own best judgment, your own best discernment, and keep spreading the information. We win, guys. We win. There is no scenario where we lose, okay? My information sources are developing considerably in the days since being on Frank. I'm not bragging. I'm saying every day I get more informed and my sources are more and more and more legitimate. I am 100% beyond doubt convinced that we have all of it on election fraud. Not some of it, not theoretical stuff, all of it, all of it. I said last summer, maybe last September, that Donald Trump would win 50 states aside from election fraud. That's what I said. Without election fraud, Donald Trump will win 50 states. At this point right now, talking to people and knowing what I know, I do not think that was wrong. That is still an open possibility. That is how extensive the election fraud was. If you are still doubting this, stop doubting it. What you're waiting for is for the mainstream media to tell the communists that you were right. You got to open yourself up to the possibility, first of all, that that will never happen. It might happen. I hope it'll happen, but it might also just be a gradual uh, process of people understanding and believing that they came to it on their own. You might never get that validation for all of the hard work you've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not about you and your ego. It's about the country. It's about making sure that we don't have this fake president in office a minute longer than we have to. And that our elections going forward are not worthless. That's what it's about. But the other part of that is, is that you need to develop some faith and confidence in the fact that you have found the truth. And we have found the truth and the truth is coming out. It will not be stopped. It is true. Nothing can stop what is coming? What is happening right now in Maricopa County, Arizona is already a big step. There are other states with this in process. I know it sucks to be patient. I know it sucks to just hold the line. You want to feel like there's something you can do. There is something you can do. Be a good person and express truth and spread information as widely and as quickly as you can. That's it. That's your only assignment. Control your emotions, control your ego, and control your expectations. We win. There is no doubt. We win. Wanting the mainstream media to tell the communists you are right before you are satisfied is really just a lack of faith on your part that you are right. 
Because what you're really saying is that no matter what, you have to wait until the mainstream media says it, which is the same problem that the communists are having. They're not going to believe it until the mainstream media tells them to. Well, if you're not going to believe it until the mainstream media tells you to, then what is the difference? Honestly, what's the difference? You figured it out before them. You figured it out without the mainstream media, but you still can't trust the fact that you actually figured it out. So you need the mainstream media to give you validation. It's the same exact thing. We got to stop that. All right. This is the home stretch. This is the resolution. We are deep into the third act on this. Have some faith. Hold the line. Spread information as fast as you absolutely can and stop wasting your time trying to convince the unconvincible. I'm not saying it's because you won't be successful. I'm saying it's because it's not worth it. They're going to come to it on their own time. If they don't come to it at all, you already tried. You did what you could. They have made their choice. And another thing, I said this back at the very beginning of the podcast has to be in the first couple of months. I don't even know if I had started doing high noon by then. And I think maybe I just posted it on Instagram or something. But my purpose and my goal is not to convince anyone that I'm right. My purpose and my goal is to convince communists that they might be wrong. Do you understand the distinction? I don't need to get them to believe what I believe. I need to get them to understand that the thing they believe makes no sense. Even if I can just crack one of their different narratives, whether it's about Black Lives Matter or coronavirus or Biden's corruption or Hunter's laptop or the influence of the CCP or a million other things, everyone has their own beliefs on all these little stories. Your only job is to convince these communists to have 1% doubt as soon as they are not fully committed to their position, they are open to believing something else and the truth will keep coming at them. All you need to do is sow that doubt. All you need to do is just till that field, make that field fertile for the moment that something big does happen that they can't avoid that a real life event pops up in their face and they say, oh, wow. Okay, I was wrong. They'll have that realization on their own. And the fact that you have told them all this will initially hurt their ego because they're not going to want to be wrong in front of you. They're not going to want to be wrong while you're right. That is going to hurt them. But it doesn't matter. Okay, that's their process. That's the process they have to go through. They have to figure it out. That's their own ego. But by having presented all of this information in a compassionate and caring way, they will understand that they have a path back. And that is where you need them to be. People will red pill on their own time. You do it slowly. You do it methodically. You figure out what matters to them and start opening them up to the truth about those things. However you have to do it, 
Your only goal is to allow them to see that there is doubt in their position and to let them know and understand that when they search for the truth, they can come to you. That's it. Now get fired up and share this shit because we win. We win. Do you understand? We win. Stop being scared. Stop doubting. The destruction you see happening in the country right now is superficial. It can be reversed. And I'm not trying to be insensitive to the lives of the people at the border or people losing their jobs or anything else. I really am not. But we are in a war right now. The goal is the goal. We will achieve the goal. Stop getting sucked into the distractions and stop losing faith just because you see things going badly in superficial ways. They do not win. Okay? They don't. It's not happening. It cannot happen. This is being done on our timeline. Our side moves when necessary. That should make you feel as safe as you can possibly feel. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!